Uh, while Martin was praying about the road to Emos, how you say? Emos. Uh, it's very interesting to well, he said that the hearts were burning. And uh, there's a, a, a beautiful picture in that road. Because uh, in the garden, if you remember, when they ate the fruit, Adam and Eve, the eyes were close to God. They couldn't see him anymore. They just heard him in the garden, searching for them. But then in Emmaus, when they heard the word of God, the hearts burned, and they realized the body that was broken, the eyes were open to see Jesus. So I believe that now, today, God is going to bring a word that's going to make our eyes open and our hearts burn again. So, God bless you. Thanks, Ronaldo. My wife, Carrie, my voice is... Uh, disappearing quickly and probably some of you are saying oh thank god <laughs> um but uh i remember when we were away during the week andrew said this uh, statement he said uh, uh be at church on sunday and die on monday so i'm here this morning and tomorrow i die <laughs> but uh, it's good to be with you guys i'll give you i'll go over to carrie she is an amazing woman she's going to uh, just share something that she's got on her heart for you guys. Yeah, just through the worship there, I just really, um, just sort of an illustration of that um, passage of scripture in Matthew where it talks about um, like Jesus is crying over Jerusalem and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I think you've killed the, you who have killed the prophets. And he says, I wish, I wanted to come to you like a mother hen over her children, sort of thing. And I just saw like the wings of God spreading out over his people and just reaching out like you know I don't know if you've ever been that person I know that I have I've stood in worship and I'm watching everybody I'm like I want to be where they are but I'm not at the moment I just how do I get there and I just felt the the arms of God just reaching out just pulling every single person in and um, the scripture, like I was just praying for you guys yesterday and just um, thinking about, you know, if I could share something, God, what would you want me to encourage the people with? And I was drawn, drawn to John chapter 17. And I'll just encourage you, if over the week you get the chance to look at that passage of scripture, there is just so much in it. It's an incredible chapter in the word. But in there, um, Jesus just says actually in John 16... He's just saying that you no longer have need to ask of me. You can ask the Father because the Father loves you. Like he's loved me, he loves you. And just the love of God towards us. I'm destroying this Bible at the moment. Um, and it's your Bible, yeah. But then what really um, hit me, he said that, and he says that we'll go through trials. The world's going to hate you. And then in John chapter 17, he, um, he says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
and just that they know you. And years ago, I just did a little study on that word know, and it's the word in the Hebrew yada, and it's a relational word. It's always a relational word. It's not about us knowing in our mind, knowing who God is in, in word, but knowing in our heart and our spirit who God is. And I just really felt this morning God drawing people, wooing us to that quiet place of really, really knowing him and because he loves us so incredibly. It goes on to talk about the fact that he gave up glory. He says, um, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And just the fact that he left that glory, what did he leave because of his incredible love for us? He loves us so incredibly. And then it says, um, I don't know, that whole passage of Scripture is just about how much he absolutely loves us and he wants us to have relationship with the Father like he had with the Father. That is absolutely mind-blowing, that we can walk with the Father like Jesus walked with the Father. And I want to encourage you this morning, there is not one person that he doesn't want to draw under his wings this morning. He doesn't want to, he wants to draw each and every single one of us under his wings, into his closeness, into intimacy, to know him like Jesus knew the Father. Thanks, Carrie. We want to know him. What time we finish? 12 o'clock. Oh, you can't trust Grant. <laughs> not when he says things like that. Everyone's going, no, please, not 12. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you that you are an amazing God, you are never far from each of us, that God, your name is Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, be with us this morning, be in this place, be in our lives afresh today, in the precious name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Well, I um, came this morning thinking that um, uh, this is such an amazing church and such an amazing group of people and you've really got some heavyweights in this congregation, um, you know, theologically, so I thought I'd better make sure I cross all my T's and dot all my I's and get everything right. Um, but I just like, in the midst of just coming this morning, I feel like God just wants to teach us something. He wants to open up something to us. He wants us just to not come and ex uh, 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 go through another service, another time, but actually encounter Him. He wants us to encounter Him. He wants us to know His great power at work within us. Can you say amen? amen. And I think, you know, like, what do you expect? Some Aussie guy from down under... Uh, you know, I don't know what you guys think of Australians, um, but if it's anything to do with our sporting teams, we're in trouble. <laughs> because sometimes our sporting teams are embarrassing to us. Um, so please be aware that we are aware of that. But I just want you to, uh, to know that, you know, we come here not to uh, uh, um, arrogantly or proudly. I'm humble before you guys. You guys this church, Joshua generation, what God is doing in you and through you is amazing. 
You know, one of the things, this isn't in my notes, so hopefully I get to my notes and you haven't got this scripture. I gave her a whole bunch of scriptures and then I'm just going everywhere. Um, but Jeremiah, I shared this last week, Jeremiah chapter 1, it says there, God comes to Jeremiah and he says to Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see the branch of an almond tree. And you know, sometimes we spiritualize things so much. It's like, oh, you know, like, where was he? He was caught up in the third heaven. That's that blue row up the top over there. Um, he was caught up in the third heaven, and, uh, you know, he just had this amazing vision. But what if he was just out in the garden, and, there was, and he was walking around, and there were trees around, and God highlighted to him one thing. Because God says to him, what do you see? And, and Jeremiah says, I see the branch of an almond tree and God says to him you've seen well you could have seen a whole bunch of stuff you could have seen a whole lot of other things but you've seen well and I feel like God is saying to us how are we seeing are we seeing well are we looking at our circumstances are we looking at the world around us are we looking at the chaos are we looking at the brokenness or are we seeing god's opportunities in the midst of everything that is taking place around and about us are we looking for god and i want to just give you a couple of illustrations often when i go somewhere and i'm worshiping with somewhere i look around my circumstances and i say god is there anything here that you want to speak to me about. And so I want you to understand this. I'm trying to teach you something here. If I had more time, I would just spend the whole day, week, just spending some time on the prophetic. Because the Bible says that we can all prophesy. We can all see that God has given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Can you say amen? And I want us to just switch out of just being in Melkbostrand, is this Melkbostrand High School, and being anywhere, wherever we are, with God, with Him, with us. So I'm standing here, and I just look down on the ground, and I see some yellow lines and some white lines. And God begins to speak to me about some groups of people here. And some of the groups of people here are standing outside the court, you're not in the game, and God wants you in the game. He's called you to pour your life into his kingdom, to pour your life into the things that he wants for you. And then I felt like then there were some people inside, and they were on the court, but they were like just, you know, sometimes in, in sports, there's players that are good in just in a lot of positions. They can cross, you know, they can play forward, they can play back, they can play on the wing, uh, they can play in the centre. That was me, no, it wasn't really. <laughs> but I felt like God saying in that too, that God, inside the yellow lines, there was a lane. If you look at these yellow lines here, there's a lane, and I feel like God is wanting us to shift to the specific, to shift to what he has for us specifically not just to be on the court and just be you know not really knowing our position in the church you know the church is the most amazing thing on the planet 
It really is. I love the church. It is so cool. I, you know, I've got to say I'm a pastor, and, and I'm going to be careful when I say this because I don't have time to explain it. But there was a time when I hated the church. It hurt me. The people in it hurt me. I, I, I got separated. I got angry. I, got, I actually got depressed. And for those who know me, they're going, no, it's not possible. Yes, it is. And I spent 18 months leading a church, not even wanting to be there. I was like, oh, Lord, why? And for that 18 months, I, I knew that my thinking was wrong. So I began just to, to ask God, God, show me how come you love people who at times can be faithless, at times can be rough, at times can be harsh. How can you? And I just spent 18 months just reading scriptures about God's love for the church. Till I came to a place where I'm like, going, I don't know where the moment was, but I know I love his house. I know I love his people. I know that God has an amazing plan and purpose for his people. And I want to read out to you something from Nehemiah. Oh, not from Nehemiah. Uh, from the message version. Now, I want to know. I'm probably getting in trouble for doing this here. So I want you to just think of it as poetry then. <laughs> Is that all right? If I can find the darn thing. It's on my notes here somewhere. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. We know that the Message Bible is not a literal translation, okay? You cool with that? Don't get offended with Marty. Don't switch off right now. I want to read out to you. I don't know if we've got that on the screen or not, or if we can get it in the message. Is that the message? I'm going to read it from the message. Yeah, well, it's actually good that you can see what it says up there, but I, there's just one part that I want us to get to. In verse 20, it says, All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. And this is the part I want us to hear. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Let me say that again. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. That concept, that mindset is whether it's literal, whether it's a literal translation or it's a paraphrased translation, I want you to understand that the world is peripheral to the church. That this whole world, everything you do on this planet is going to get wound up at some stage. But the one thing that's not getting wound up is the bride. The one thing that's going through into eternity. The one thing that Jesus is welcoming and there's a party in heaven is the church. And I wonder, do we have that passion for his church? 
church? Do we, do we know? You know, in, in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus said the bride has made herself ready. She has made herself ready. And then it says later on, it says the, bride, the spirit and the bride say, come. What are we pouring our lives into? What did Jesus die for? He died for the church. He died for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. That's what Jesus died for. That's what he is alive for. That's what he is, that's what he is the head of. He is the head of the church. And folks, we are a part of the church. But I feel like God is saying, in the church, if we found our lane, because he wants us in our lane. When I was in high school, this may surprise many of you, I did actually go to high school. I know you think my English isn't that good, but um, when, I, when I went to high school, uh, we had the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the regional high school sporting days, and, uh, and I was... Uh, in the 100 and the 200 meter races and I did well in them. I think I won one of them and I mean so many years ago so I can make up whatever I like now. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I won, I think it was the 200 and I came second in the 100 and, um, and they, were, they were my lanes, you know. I knew them well. But my best friend, and he's still my best friend to this day, he was, his lane was the 400 meters. But he's, he also had another lane, and it was the high jump. And at the same time as the 400-meter first heat was on, his high jump final was on. So he couldn't run in the 400-meter. So he said to me, you run it. You'll be good. You'll do well. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll run the 400. I've never run the 400 before. I'm like, what do you do? And he says, just go. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just go. And, uh, and I was in the outside lane. And it was like, i got no idea. You know, when you're on the outside lane, you don't know how fast the other guys are going because you're out in front to start with. Anyway, I ran this race. And I got halfway down the straight. And my legs were like cement. And I was dragging myself. But I was so far in front of everyone else that they couldn't catch me. And I crossed that line. Dun, 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 and I broke through. And then from there I was going now to the state championships. And uh, my mate says, don't go. I'm like, why, I won, man. He goes, ah, oh, it's a different thing when you get to the state level. I'm like, no, 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 I'll be good. I get to the state championships and I'm there and I got my like do, do you do you guys know what KT26s are they're, they're like the cheapest Dunlop runners you can get <laughs> and I've got my uh, uh, what, uh, what we had stubbies Australia I don't know if you had stubby shorts they are the most unfashionable shorts you can find and uh, and I had my uh, singlet on and ready to go. And anyway, I walk up and these guys walk up, you know, and I'm serious. I'm like, they, they're all this tall in this 400 metres, you know. They're all like, I seriously thought, oh no, the Nephilim are still alive. <laughs> I was terrified. And I walked up and I drew the outside lane again 
And, 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 and I've got my KT26s on. These guys have got these nylon shorts and they've got these runners with spikes in them and everything. And, and I'm there in my KT26s and we take off. Bang! Da, 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 da. I just like these guys. I mean, I don't even think I got around the first bend and the guy on the inside lane was already past me. They were so fast. And it, and it doesn't do your heart good. <laughs> Some of you can relate to this, eh? It doesn't do your heart good when you're not running in your lane. And so the 100, the 200, I was fine. The 400, this is the truth. I'm still embarrassed to admit this to this day. We came around the last bend. Well, I should say I came around the last bend. They were all on the straight by then. I came around the last bit, I'm on the outside lane, and I was coming around the last bit, and these guys are like going ahead, and I just like stepped off. (laughs) (laughs) Just mingled in the crowd. True story, still embarrassing to this day. (laughs) But sometimes that's what we've done in church life. We've just found ourselves in the wrong place. We've come around that bend and we're like, God, you know, like what happened? I felt like I started so well, but here I am. Everyone's run past me. And sometimes we give up and we, we step, instead of just out of the lane, like me, we step off of the court and we step out of the game. The problem wasn't the game, the problem was my position in the game. And God has a position for each and every one of us in the game. He has a position for you in the game. And let me tell you, there is nothing better than finding that sweet spot, finding where your gifting lies. In James, it says that you and me have an anointing. Turn the person next to you. And go, you're anointed. I should have looked at my notes. We have an anointing from the Holy One. I tell you, this year, God spoke to me, actually, I'll give you, God spoke to me about nine things at the beginning of this year. And, um, those nine things have just been something that, are, that I've been focusing on and carrying through. That You know, the first thing, this, this will come as deep revelation to most of you. Harness. <laughs> He's already catching it. This is, God said this to me, Martin, this is true. You know when he says Martin, it's not going to end well. <laughs> he says, Martin... You are not the savior of the world. Sometimes we feel like we are. Sometimes we feel like we're God's only hope for this planet. We are not. Jesus is. And God said to me, Martin, you are not the savior of this world. Preach Jesus. Speak Jesus. I feel like some of us have just got a wrong foundation in that and I stood here again and I was looking around because I wanted to use it as an illustration 
that God takes things from our environment and speaks to us. And so you've probably seen it already before, but I looked at that wall there, and I like saw, I don't know if you've seen it, three crosses. You know, and I just think about the, the, and if you look at those three crosses there, the two on the outside are both cracked. There's cracks up at the top coming out the wall. The one in the middle is not. And I think if you lay any other foundation than Jesus Christ, you will find cracks in that foundation. You will find, and I feel like there are people here that, that feel like I've taken up my cross, Lord. I've, I'm serving you. I'm laying down my life for you. Jesus is saying, I want you to be found in me. Not from me, to be found in me. Because from that foundation, you will be able to achieve things that you would never be able to achieve on your own. Is that all right? So I feel like some people here, just, Lord, I, I dropped off the cord. I, you know, and some of the times when we're in that wrong lane, it's because it's the lane we want to be in. I want to win that 400-meter race. Oh, man, I want it in a local group of about 10 schools. Surely I can do it in the state. Sometimes we step out of our anointing into something else. Know what God has anointed you for. Know what God has anointed you for. James, you just keep catching my attention. I shouldn't have met you last night, but God has got some amazing things in store for you. And he just wants you to, to press into him, to find yourself at the foot of the cross, to find your, yourself, your life going, Jesus, it is all for you. And I feel like in the midst of that, he's going to raise you up and take you to, to, to a higher, but make sure you remain in your zone, your court. You're not, you're not in competition with or you're not comparing to others. I love that Paul writes and says, run the race marked out for you. It's not the race marked out for someone else. And God wants to raise you up in that. But to spend time with him, to spend time in his presence and get your foundation strong in him. Because if they're not strong in him, I feel like there's a gifting in that that's coming on your life. That, that if, if, if it's not found in him, you'll find those cracks begin to appear. But God wants to make sure that you are established in him. Grant, you're a good guy, aren't you? I love this guy. He's amazing. I've got a word for you just yet, but I feel it coming. So wait. You like me. Harness. Man, God just loves you. I feel like at times you feel like you don't know, but he does. I feel like at times you're like, you're trying to work for that, but there's no work for it. It just is. He just wants you in his arms. Like, I think you, you, there's more for you. There's a depth that God wants to add into your ministry. And it's going to come as you just find yourself in him more and trust in him. Trust in him. Ronaldo. I, again, I'm standing over here and I can just see this Roland drum kit. But all I can see is the R and the O because the stands in there. So I go, oh, it's for Ronaldo. <laughs> but it's true. I looked at it and the, and the name was written on the bass drum. And I felt like God was adding, again, same thing to you, more depth. That there's deep calls to deep. And that God is adding like a... a, a 
a bottom end to your sound. You know, the amazing thing with sound is that high end has uh, uh, less impact. It has less distance in it. It, it, it finish. It drops short. Bass, we know from our neighbours at our church, <laughs> that bass travels. It goes through. And I feel like that's what God is doing with you. He's actually going to take you through and add weight to you and that there's walls that have been around that God is going to break through those walls for you. That the, the, even the church, I can just see it now, the, the, the restraints around the church are going to be broken through because of the depth that God is adding to you. So sit in that place. But I'm not the saviour of the world. We better get back to that because I know that some of you still think I am. In, uh, and again, we all know Acts 4, verse 12, it says, and there is no, oh, sorry, and there is salvation in no one else. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? He's the one. His name above every other name. I remember hearing a story of a guy standing up to preach in front of thousands of people. And he just broke. And all he did was say the name Jesus and he just started weeping. And thousands of people came to the front to receive Jesus. Just no other preaching. It's at that name. The name of Jesus is so powerful. Don't think, oh, you know, like I've got to fight this thing or I've got to get involved in that cause and I've got to get it, you know, our government's going down the poop and, and, and I've got to get step. No, just preach Jesus. I honestly, sometimes I, you know, you, you guys live in this nation and, and it is a tough nation. I know that I can see it on the outside. I can see the brokenness in this nation. But let me tell you that Jesus loves broken vessels because he loves putting them back together again. And we live, Brad, you'd know this, we live in a nation where everyone thinks they're okay. Everyone's like, hey, you know, no worries, mate, she'll be right. Um, and, and they've got this self-confidence. I think COVID has broken that a little bit and I'm looking forward to seeing more fruit from that, but I'm telling you that Jesus, fight, you know, finds himself amongst the broken. When he stood up and read from Isaiah, he said, the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free. And if those people don't know that that's their position, it's so much harder to preach to them. But when they know that they're captives, when they know that they're poor, when they know that, they're, 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 that they've been blinded to the truth, Jesus wants to come and speak to those people. I want to say this, all of us stand in that lane where we can all preach Jesus. You know, when you preach Jesus, God has anointed you to do that. He has anointed you. I get so you know, I come here to preach this morning and I'm like, my notes are all over the place. My head's all over the place. My throat's gone back to Australia waiting for me back there. But I come here and I know that God has anointed me for something. And I know, and, and this whole year, so oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So uh, Jesus, that Martin, you're not the saviour of the world. The second thing he spoke to me about, and I don't have time for all of this because 12 o'clock is um, coming up on me. He said this, he said, don't feed 
the beast. Don't feed the beast. Just what do I mean by that? I, I hear people who talk about everything that's wrong. They talk about everything that is broken. In the, and I'm telling you that it may not bring fear into your life. It probably will though. But it may not bring fear into your life. But it might bring it into someone that's hearing. And I felt like God saying, stop talking about COVID. Stop talking about uh, the vaccinations, the this, the that, the other, the government, this thing and that thing. And just speak Jesus. Just speak life. Just speak hope. Just speak what he has given to you. Because we are a people of hope. Jesus is our hope. We should be at our workplaces and everyone's going, what the heck is wrong with you? You're like, what? You just always seem so happy or confident or you say, you know, why? We should be. We're going to go home to be with the Lord one day. We shouldn't fear that. We should long for that. Paul writes and he says, you know, I, I long to go and be with Christ. But he understood why he was not going to be with Christ. Why? Because it was for the sake of the church. The church is not peripheral to your business. It's not peripheral to your family. It's not peripheral to your friendships. The church is the center. It's where Christ has positioned himself. It is what he loves and what he wants you involved in. What he wants you, he gave his life for the church. And he says, will you give your life for the church? Doesn't mean we don't do those other things, but everything that we do has the church. Because if Jesus is in the church, then I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be where he is. Is that all right? You coping with my voice? Good, because I'm not. Guard your words, speak life to people. Isaiah 43 verses 1 to 7, a beautiful passage of scripture. But, it said, but he says in there, ah, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He goes on to say a lot of other stuff, but just pause for a second. Who do you belong to? You belong to him. You are his children. Whoa. There's a whole bunch of kids going through there. How you going, guys? Good to see you all. You're not as quiet as you think you are. <laughs> I'm joking. The third thing he said is feed your faith. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Don't build yourselves up in what mainstream media is telling you. Don't build yourselves up in those things. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith from uh, the book of Jude. What are you building yourselves up in? What has God called you to? Young man, I saw you last night. What has he called you to? That is the most important thing you can find out for your life. Everyone wants to tell you what you should, what you shouldn't be doing. Ask God. God, give me clarity. Jeremiah 29 
says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you success. My thing when I read that passage of scripture is this. God says, for I know the plans, but I'm like, do we know the plans? God, I want to know the plans too. That's all right. Young kids were made to make noise. All right, bring him back. Let me lay hands on him. No, no. I'm joking. I'll get myself in trouble. Ronaldo is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, isn't he? He's amazing, man. I love that guy. We're planning to go to um, Brazil next year. Ronaldo keeps telling me, he tells me what, what you shouldn't tell an Aussie. He says, you must. <laughs> we don't like that, do we, Brad? We don't like, you know, someone says, you must. We go, well, we must not then. <laughs> <laughs> Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Faith, another thing he told me is faith-filled people will bring hope to the world. Colossians 1, 26 to 29. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are are the riches of his glory, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, him, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that powerfully works within me. If we're not striving, if we're not working towards declaring Christ, we are working without his energy. But when we strive, we want to make Jesus known. He's so powerful. He's so powerful. Someone here's got a problem. Just with your right thumb area here. Just, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like a pain just running down through here. That's my left hand. I'm from Australia. I haven't quite learned my left from right yet. Left hand. That's you, Hannes. And you too. You guys, come out here. Both of you. God wants to display his power. You know, I'm, I'm like this. Jesus said this. He said, "Will." When he comes back to earth, will he find faith? You'll take the right. We've got people, man, what's, like, listen to this, this is thumbs up time. Broken? Well, I don't know, but it feels broken. Cool. Ronaldo, come pray with me, man. Grant, come. Just put out your hand, whichever hand it is. Father, you do things amazingly. You are such an amazing God. Your word says that if we ask our fathers, though they being evil, and they know how to give us good gifts, how much more our Father in heaven. And so, Lord, right now, upon these thumbs, let your power flow. Let your power flow. Father, I just pray healing in Jesus' name. I pray healing. Father, power in Jesus' name. Thank, that's it. Thank you, Lord. Just whatever's caused that issue right through there.
just release it now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. This one here, Lord, this broken thumb as well, just heal. Lord, whatever was broken, make it whole again in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We get these right-handed people as well. Yours are the right. Ah, wrist. Are they sore right now? Pray. Hello. <laughs> just, just pray, Father, your power through this hand right now. Lord, all pain to go. In Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Your power at work right now. Right now from the elbow down, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Upon Lorna as well, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Can I just ask before you guys go, anyone feeling any different? Sorry? Yeah, I have this lump that it's still sitting there, but I, it's not painful at the moment. So normally when I surf, especially, like pain's proper. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you just to take away that lump right now, Father. I just pray, God, right now through that hand, Lord, even though the pain is gone, I just ask God for a complete healing. The good work that you began in us bring to completion, Lord. Thank you for it right now in Jesus' wonderful name. We just want to hear a great report in Jesus' name. You? Mine's a little bit hurting. It's sore a bit in the tendons, um, but I actually feel God says I need to exercise it. They're the sort of exercises I can cope with. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, no. Lord, just be a complete healing Amen. in that hand. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful Amen. name. Amen. 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 Uh, it's still sore. I mean, I, I, I had a surfing accident about six months ago. and You guys ought to give up surfing, man. It's just too dangerous. <laughs> but, but I felt movement inside. That, that's some, um, like... I felt movement inside, but it's still very sore. <laughs> so he felt some movement in there. Father, we just speak, Lord, even throughout the day today, just, Lord, let him be shocked, Lord, later on in the day when he recognizes there's nothing left there. It is completely healed. In Jesus' name, I speak to that. God, you can heal every break, every break in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How are you feeling, Lorna? It's hard for you to tell right now. Okay. God doing something. Thank you. Um, my thumb was prayed for, so I'm thanking the Lord for the healing. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Grant. Grant discerned that something else was wrong, and I said it's, that something else was paining, and I said, yeah, it's my left hip. I'm always favoring this leg. <laughs> You know, when you go upstairs, up steps and down steps, you say, good leg up, bad leg down. So I walk down steps like this, and I walk <laughs> like that. So, and he said, test it, test it, because the Lord's doing it. So I said, well, you know, it's a bit personal now, but in the shower, you're trying to wash your foot. <laughs> and, and I struggle to actually do that. And now, look, I can do it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you.
Isn't God good? You know, last weekend, last weekend, I'll tell you a story, last weekend, uh, what time, oh my goodness, um, last weekend we were at um, PE, Oxygen Life, and um, I'm, I'm sharing there at Oxygen Life, and I just felt like there was someone in the room that had a problem with their right Achilles, and so I said, hey, there's someone here, you got a problem with your right Achilles, and I'm like looking around, and you know, all the shyness of the South Africans was at play and they were not putting their hand up straight away. Don't worry, same thing happens in Australia. Um, and after, I don't know, a few seconds, 20 seconds, something like that, a guy over there on that side puts his hand up and he comes out. And uh, he, anyway, I end up, we pray for him. I said to him afterwards, I said, how's it feel? And he said, you know, like, give me a percentage. If it was, you know, uh, is it 10% better? Is it 20% better? Anything, just give me anything, please, Lord. Um, he says, 90% better. So, oh, that's pretty good. Well, let's just go for the other 10 then. So, we prayed again. I said, how's it now? He said, there's absolutely no pain. No pain at all. I said, isn't that awesome? And anyway, he then goes on and says... Um, He's, oh no, then he says to me, he goes to walk off. He comes back and he's all teary and everything. And he says to me, um, can I grab the microphone? And I said, sure. Nervously, but sure. <laughs> he's going to say, this guy's a hoax. There's nothing happened. And, no, he didn't. And, uh, and he goes, you know, I've had problems with my right Achilles and ankle area for a long time and the doctors haven't been able to figure it out and, uh, and uh, um, my family keeps telling me you need to go back and get more x-rays and find out. So when he first came up he was limping all the way up and, uh, and he, got, he said that the family kept telling him you need to go and get x-rays, go and get x-rays this coming week and he said to them, he said no, he said I feel like God is going to do something, God told him to wait until the 15th. And I'm like, the 15th, I'm looking at my watch, that's today. Um, And God had told him that he was going to do something on the 15th. And he then gave me back the microphone and he skipped out of the place, running and jumping. God so loves you. He, you know, we need to be a people who press in in faith. There are times when God will do things sovereignly. He is a sovereign God. But let me tell you, you go through your Bible and you will find that, especially in the New Testament, you will find that God moves sovereignly like less than 10% of the time. The other 90% He responds to people's prayers and faith. Be a people of faith. Stretch out. Trust God. Get This is not, and again, I know I'm talking about our lane and being on the court. This isn't even our lane. Because Jesus said you will lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. That's everybody's lane. That's every believer's lane. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is for the evangelist or this is for the apostle or this is for, no, this is for every believer that we would stand on the promises of God. Jesus said, will I find faith when I come back? And I'm like, I don't think he's talking about salvation faith. I think he's talking about supernatural believing, trusting him for amazing things to take place. And I want to be 
in that crowd. I want to stand with that crew. And I want to trust God that he'll heal thumbs. I want to trust God that he'll heal hips. I want to trust God that he will break things open. And when I get to heaven, Will Murray used to say all the time, why not? Why not? And I want to get to heaven. When I get to heaven, I want to get to heaven. And if I get told off for something, I'd rather God tell me off for this. Say, Martin, you believed me for too much. Then, Martin, you should have believed me for a heck of a lot more. Amen? We trust him. He is able. He is with us. He is He has anointed you and me to declare the kingdom of God, not just by our beautiful character and that we're being shaped and transformed into the likeness of Christ. Sometimes he wants to shock people. Signs that make people wonder. Are we living there? Are we headed there? Ah, I don't know what to do right now. I'm just like, so, there's a, there's a guy in our church, share that prophetic word of Dean's? Why not, eh? Why not? We got this guy in the church, he's a bit out there. You got those guys? <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> I was thinking, though. <laughs> and, um... In 2011, he wrote, he's got a journal where he keeps everything that the Lord says to him. And in 2011, it's got dates and everything through this journal and pages, you know, finish that page, turn the next page, there's no gaps, so you can't go back and fill something in after the fact, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I knew that that horse was going to win that race. No. He wrote in 2011, he wrote this, and he shared it with me, it would have been in 2011, 2012, He said this, he said, in the year 2019, so me, I'm in 2011, and I'm like, 2019? I don't even know if I'll be alive in 2019. You know, like, I sort of switch off straight away. I'm like, that's miles away. In the year 2019, in the months of October and November, something is going to break out on the earth that is going to cripple the world's systems, and by the months of February, March, the whole world's way of doing things will be shut down. He didn't even know, I didn't know. I'm like going, and he just, he'd totally forgotten about the word too, until he he, he goes through his journals every now and again, he's going through the journals, and he's reading that, and he's going, oh my goodness, he read it like in 2020 sometime, uh, you know, a few months after all of this has taken place. You know, what was the point of that then, if it was after it took place? We didn't think about it before, we didn't think about it, you know, what was the point? The point was this, it went on to say that the church has got three years to get herself ready. And that's coming up at the end of this year, the beginning of next year. And then there's a seven-year period where God is going to make a massive distinction between His church and things that are not being built His way and His plans and his purpose next seven years it almost ended with the fact that after that time's up time to go home I don't know if that's true or not but I know that when someone says to me in 2011 in the months of October and November and then in the months of February and March in 2020 I go I'm I'm now listening 
God does nothing without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. You can all prophesy. Jesus did nothing that everything that he did, he saw the, what the Father was doing. The Father showed him. We ought to be living in that realm. I say those things, why? To excite us. Because God is at work. He wants to do something through you. He wants to get a hold of your life. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. That's what the Bible says. Sometimes I think we think of ourselves too lowly. The Bible says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Someone said to me once, how will we know? Well, we've got to start thinking of ourselves more like Christ thinks of us first. He has... What am I, when I first got saved, I had a T-shirt. And on that T-shirt, it, said, it had a scripture written, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Every single one of you. And I want to say, like, I used little illustrations here this, today, just of things that I saw around the building. God, people go, I don't hear God. And I go, no, you don't look, you don't listen. He's always speaking. He always wants to reveal his truth. Are we listening? God wants us to be listening. Amen? Should we stand? Second Corinthians 1 verse 21 says this, and it is God who establishes us, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and it is God who establishes Melchbos and us with you in Christ and has anointed us. The big thing that God's been speaking to me about this year is are we actually understanding that when we step out, in the things of God, we're not, it's not us. We are stepping out in Christ, that he has put something upon us. When God puts you in a position of leadership, you might feel inadequate. Let me tell you this, you probably are, other than the fact that he just put something on you. When he puts you in leadership, he puts something on you. I feel inadequate most of the time, but I just position myself under Christ and say, well, why not? Why not? Why not me, Lord? And I feel like God is saying to some of you here, why not? Why, why don't you rise up? Why don't you stand up? Why don't you stop living like the world is peripheral to the, ch uh, the church is peripheral to the, no, the world is, you tell me that one, that the world, uh, stop thinking like, I've got to go to college, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Yes, you may do that. But first and foremost, but God, you're building a bride. You're building a church. You're building something powerful. I believe that when Christ comes back, when, when everything gets wound up, he's not coming back for a weak and insipid church.
He is coming back for a powerful church. He is coming back. Jesus isn't going to come back as this strong lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to look at the church and go, what the heck is this weak little thing? He's going to see a lioness. He's going to see a bride that is ready for his coming. He's going to see a people that are standing up in the promises of God, standing up in the word of God, standing up in the truth and, and beginning to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you that people? I don't know. Well, we've got two of you. Grant, was it you too? Yes. Seriously. <laughs> Can we get a third? Third hand. 